Do you find it very time consuming to create effective communicative activities? Sure, we can all feel that way at times. In this episode, we're talking about how to do this more efficiently. Hope Anderson, a Spanish instructor in Arizona, joins me to offer suggestions for going about our communicative practices a little more efficiently while also being quite effective, something for all of us to learn. So let's jump in. Are you a language teacher looking for some reassurance that what you're doing in the classroom is on the right track? Or maybe you're looking for some ways to teach even more effectively. If you're one or the other or somewhere in between, you've landed in the right place. This is the World Language Classroom Podcast with your host, me, Joshua Cabral. You're about to get tips, tools, and resources so that your students continue to rise in proficiency and communicate with confidence. Let's jump in. Vamos, allons-y. Hello, my friends. Bonjour, mes amis. Hola, mis amigos. Welcome to the World Language Classroom Podcast. I am Joshua Cabral, and thank you, as always, for taking the time out of your week to be a teacher listening to a podcast about teaching. That just means that you are so dedicated. So thank you so much. So our topic today is going to be about preparing communicative lessons efficiently. Because sometimes when we want to grasp everything about being communicative in the classroom, we can think, oh, this is just going to take so much time and how do I go about it? So hopefully today with hope, (laughs) little pun there, we will come away with some ways of looking at these lessons and preparing these lessons for our students in a way that are sort of time-saving, but also just very efficient in their process. So Hope Anderson is a 16-year Spanish instructor, and she's done the bulk of her teaching at the university level, everything from those one-on-one classes all the way up through graduate level. So she's run the gamut of starting with students and when they're first initiating into learning the language, all the way up to those graduate levels. She is in Arizona at Arizona State, and you may have seen her at Actful as well as at IALT, which is going to be for the technology with teachers. And so thank you so much for being with us today, Hope. It is great to have you here. Thank you so much, Joshua. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. So is there anything that you'd like to fill in the blanks about where you've been, what you're doing, so we can get to know you a little better? Yeah. So thank you for that wonderful introduction. Mm -hmm. I have taught Spanish in a variety of university-level contexts, and I've also coordinated different types of programs. I've also talked to a lot of teachers at different points in their career and at different levels of teaching from elementary all the way up through university and other types of educational settings. And I've really been working on how to solve some of the problems that I have faced as a language teacher throughout my career, as well as the ones that I have learned about from the, for example, teaching assistants or instructors who I have coordinated and supervised over the years as well as other teachers in the profession. And I think a big thing that keeps coming up is people wanting to teach in a certain way that they think is better for the students, maybe ways that they were trained, maybe ways that they learned about on their own through their own practice and reading of research and getting ideas at conferences and webinars and workshops, but without taking a ton of prep time. Mm -hmm. Because the problem of understaffing is getting worse and worse and worse at the K-12 level, especially class sizes are getting larger. People are having to teach more classes per day, even during their lunch and prep time. 
And there is just no time to put together those lessons that go beyond what's in the textbook and really introduce students to authentic language and culture in ways that help them dive right in, use the language and take it to the next level. Okay, well, that being said, I want to jump right in so that teachers are getting your tips and suggestions for going down that road of efficiency. So we'll be talking about communicative language teaching, which you alluded to, talking about having communication in your classroom and having communication be the focus of your classroom. So communicative language teaching is a common term these days, and we're hearing a lot about CI and things like that. But I want to make sure that before we even start to look into the kind of nitty gritty about the idea of creating activities that are communicative, let's make sure that we are all thinking of the same thing when we say a communicative language classroom. So when you say that your classroom is communicative, what does that mean to you? That is a very good question because, yeah, probably no one will tell you that their classroom is not communicative, but yet what they mean by communicative really varies from person to person. In fact, a lot of departments say that they're communicative, but that doesn't mean that everyone in the department is teaching the same way. So absolutely a good place to start. When I say communicative or even broader, what I refer to as better practices include a whole bunch of things that, you know, I try to do all at the same time, but obviously some days it's better than others. And I really wish there were one magic recipe to do it all well and efficiently. And unfortunately, there's not that I've found, but I have ways that I aspire to that I hope to share with everyone today. So when I say communicative, I generally mean not necessarily 100% in the target language, but aiming for as much in the target language as possible, but have meaning actually be exchanged. Have the students using the language actively the whole time. That doesn't mean they have to be speaking the whole time. Input tasks are equally valid. But the idea with communicative is you're using the language for communicative purposes. You're communicating a message. You're exchanging that meaning. So the idea is that if a student is speaking to another student, that second student is not just looking at the next question on the sheet and figuring out what they're going to ask next, but the idea is that they're actually doing something with that information. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that does not happen 100% of the time, but if that's the goal, if the goal is to have a task that they have to complete and have it be communicative in such a way that they're staying in the target language and exchanging meaning with me, with the materials, with each other, then that is what I aspire to. And I include a host of other theories and approaches with that as well under my umbrella of better practices, mm -hmm. which include multiliteracies, task-based input hypothesis, mm -hmm. output hypothesis, interactionist hypothesis. Basically, mm -hmm. you can't have output if you don't have input. Mm -hmm. They have to have interaction because that's really where the meaning is being exchanged. And of course, intercultural communicative competence, mm -hmm. because that social element of exchanging meaning with another person within the context of that target language speaking culture or the intercultural context of, you know, you're not just trying to turn an English speaking monolingual into a Spanish speaking monolingual, mm -hmm. right? You're trying to turn someone into a bilingual or better yet, they're already at some level of bilingualism, mm -hmm. right? Unless they're the very first day of 101, you mm -hmm. are not trying to turn someone into a bilingual. You're trying to help them use that language at the level that they're at, right? Rather than feeling like they have to learn it before they can use it. The idea is, no, you're already using it just by being in this class. You're already using it. Mm -hmm. And the idea is through all of these practices to get them 
to use that language in progressively more and more challenging tasks mm -hmm. that correspond to progressively higher and higher proficiency levels such that they're able to do more and more with the language. And the way mm -hmm. they're able to do it is by doing it. Of course, I make it sound a lot easier than it mm -hmm. is in practice, but that is my goal. So I recently did a series on the book Common Ground by Henshaw and Hawkins. They put out the simple question when it comes to communication. It's what's being communicated? Great. And then what are you going to do with what's being communicated? And that's essentially sort of what, what you're getting to with all of this. And it's they're easy questions. But then when you grapple with what that actually means, like, I think we're pretty good with what is being communicated. Okay. But then what are you going to do with it? And I think that's where our conversation is really going to help us today to grapple with that particular question. So what are some ways to engage students in authentic communicative tasks, which I think we're, we're getting good at understanding what that is, and your explanation of your communicative classroom really touched on that. But then this idea of making it more efficient, so it doesn't feel like it's so much work for the teacher. So making efficient tasks, what are your tips and suggestions for that? I think that doing more with one single material is fantastic. And a lot of times I think that teachers fear that students aren't going to want to watch something more than once or listen to something more than once. And one way that you can encourage them to do that is by not playing the end the first time. Playing it once, breaking it down, doing different things, right? And then when you do it the second time, they get to go all the way to the end. So that's, mm -hmm. that's one tip. Another is doing multiple rounds of activities to help them with the same type of vocabulary or linguistic feature or the same topic. For example, there was one activity that I found in a textbook that was conversation questions with saber and conocer, two verbs that in Spanish are often presented together because they both mean to know, but in different contexts. And they were isolated questions that didn't really have much to do with each other. And so I looked at that and I said, well, I used it at one time in a TA orientation that if I were teaching this in a class, what I would do is I would take it all and I would theme it around coffee and cafes. And so a lot of the questions had to do with the way they were written. If the, if the context had been changed to be about coffee and cafes, it could be what, what's a good cafe or eating place that you know, you know, do you know the baristas, you know, that kind of thing. And, and so the, the idea is, do they know your order, right? There are all, all these different ways you could theme it around that. How does the coffee taste because, or the, the food taste because the word for taste is also saber mm -hmm. in Spanish. And so there were all these different questions. And so you can theme it around that. And now you can sequence that, right? You can have, you can find a video on YouTube or an ad even about a certain cafe, right? You can have them compare it in the target language speaking region. You can have them compare it with their favorite one. You can have them exchange this information with each other or go around and ask the whole class because going back to doing something with that, right? It's not just asking and answering questions. It's doing something with that. You know, what's the favorite food that people like to go out and, and eat or favorite beverage that they like to go out and drink in the class, right? And so you can go around and survey the class and get that information. You can have these templates that you come up with where you insert your topic and then you have all these different types of conversation, input and output activities that give them the tools that they need to build up to these higher level tasks. So by the end, when they're doing a presentational task about their favorite place that they've eaten, they've gotten these ideas from hearing everyone else, right? Or you're having them do um, some other kind of conversation exam or something like that at the end where they're having a conversation with another person, they're using all these strategies that they've been practicing every day throughout the semester. And it's not just something scary to get ready for. So being able to sequence helps you find materials more easily because it's easy to find an ad 
for a restaurant, being able to use authentic resources in different creative ways enables you to sequence these activities together a lot better so that you're not spending so much time trying to come up with activities. And if the students get accustomed to the type of tasks that they're going to do, you can plug in a new topic and new videos or readings and boom, there's a lesson. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about having these templates that follow mm -hmm. this sequence. And were these templates that you kind of developed over time that you figured out, okay, this is going to work well with students and you tweaked them. So what was that process like for you? I really can't decide on best practices, which is why I use better practices because mm -hmm. I keep getting new ideas, going to workshops, reading books like Common Ground and finding even more things that, that I can use. And so that's something that I'm moving toward at this point is you know, how to take a template using a familiar method. For example, a lot of people are trained in comprehensible input or the PACE model. So starting from a sequence like that, but then incorporating these other ideas, okay, now how do we move it to output, right? So, you know, having a, a database of these resources is going to help as well as having templates in which you can apply certain resources into into the, the sort of the heart of it and, and create these pre and post activities. Yeah. I think that's a good reminder to teachers that when we're creating these communicative activities in our classroom, a lot of times we think, oh, we have to create something totally new on this new theme. But the idea is that they can engage with different themes using a sequence and a template that has worked well. And that's what's going to help to make it so much more efficient so that it's not always starting from scratch when you're doing that. So that's a, a really good reminder. And it's also these situations where we feel like we give teachers permission. It's like you hear if if somebody else is doing it and it's being done effectively, oh, that gives me permission to do something like use templates and similar sequences without having to start from scratch every time. So I'd be interested to know where you continue to draw your inspiration from as you go through your teaching journey. I draw my inspiration from a lot of places, from constantly trying to see what people are discussing on social media, conferences, webinars, in the research literature. The research literature has inspired me through the years, especially in graduate school. But then when I got out there, I saw that there were so many factors holding some of these programs back in terms of, you know, oh, this is great. If I were teaching a class that I could design from scratch, I would do content-based instruction. I would do all of these things. And then you get out there and you realize that, you know, you're handed a book and you have to figure out how to make all of your wonderful ideas fit the, mm -hmm. the themes that are in that book. So, you know, I've been inspired a lot by Van Patten, by Rod Ellis for task-based language teaching. Like I mentioned earlier, Florencia Henshaw and Maris Hawkins with Common Ground. I have been inspired by all the mentors I've had. I could, I could, I could make no, an Oscar no, speech, absolutely. essentially. Absolutely. <laughs> it's great to be reminded of those people whose names and work is out there. And it's like, yes, I've heard that a couple of times now. I definitely want to read up on that. A lot of my interest into second language literacy also came from an earlier mentor of mine, Doreen Ewart, who actually is where I got the term better practices from instead of best practices my interest in second language literacies had, had come from her. So now this is the point in our conversation where I like to have a little fun by pulling the teacher curtain back a little bit and playing my little game I call this or that. You up for it? Yes. Sweet. Okay, just pick one of these things. If you want to say just quickly why, but you don't have to. Sometimes they speak for themselves. Okay, you ready for the first one? Yes. All right. Do you like things to be predictable and expected or 
Are you drawn to more spontaneous kind of situations? I am pretty spontaneous. Ooh, okay. All right. Is that who you are as a teacher too? You feel in the classroom spontaneous? I mean, yes, we have our planning and all that, but you leave room for spontaneity in the classroom? Yeah, I like to be well prepared. I think I like to have a plan and be predictable. But then when the opportunity arises, I will take the opportunity to be spontaneous. Excellent. Well, I think for me, being planned means that I can take advantage of spontaneous moments. If I'm not planned, then I'm not going to do that because I'm still trying to figure it out. Although I'm a I'm a planning person. So I, I look for spontaneity within the planning myself. So the next question is, do you like old favorites when it comes to, say, music or books or movies? Or do you like to look for new things? Some of both. I would say for music, old favorites, I definitely like to have a familiar, comfortable playlist on, especially because I don't necessarily want to be distracted by it. But then when I'm seeking something to watch, a show or a movie, I think I would seek out something new. And the last one is, if you're collaborating with someone on a project, are you more apt to be the person that conceived of the big picture objective, or do you work more on the logistics to help you get there? That's hard, because I like to do both, but I also like to build up other people's skills and let them shine as well. So it's hard for me not to try to do everything, but I think it really depends on where I think other people's skills are. I think I get a a good idea of the big picture, but I think I can also fill in the logistics where needed. I just might let someone else take the lead on on the part that I think they are the Mm -hmm. most ready to shine in. I like to think that I have these great creative ideas, and once in a while I do, But what I'm best at is working through the details of making somebody else's great idea work, which I guess you need those people, you know, so it's kind of where I am. Okay, so I'm sure that there are going to be teachers listening that will want to connect with you to learn a little more about what you're doing, or if there's anything else that you are working on out there. How can teachers reach out to you? And what is going on in your professional life right now? Yeah, so I'm actually trying to take my idea now of the lesson plan templates and searchable resource banks. I have the domain name teaching solved, that's with a D on the end, dot com. I also have the email address hope at teaching solved.com. I am very active in some of the teacher groups on Facebook. All right, excellent. So before we say our goodbyes, I was wondering if you could leave teachers with some hearty advice about going about the preparation of their communicative lessons in a more efficient way. Yeah, I would say to focus on first what you want the students to be able to do as a unit goal and as a lesson goal. And from there, using the themes and possibly some of the linguistic features, especially the vocabulary that's in the lesson, try to find ways that they can move from input to output so that they have what they need in terms of contextualized input, not just the isolated vocabulary list that the book might give them, not just the grammar explanations, but actually something that you can have them do pre, during, and post activities with to help break down that language in context. 
using the, the cultural or, or vocabulary themes of the lesson, and then eventually moving toward, you know, scaffolding more and more toward the tasks that you want them to be able to accomplish at the end. So for example, if the end goal is for them to be able to write an email to a friend on whatever topic they've been working on in the, in the chapter or in the unit, it doesn't make sense for the first time they see that email format to be when they are doing that task and you're supposed to read the friend's email and respond to it, right? There's all these kinds of activities that you can create that don't take very much time for you to prepare once you've done it once that are sort of pre-writing activities or even pre-reading activities where they break down the friend's email before they have to write their own. That sort of draws on the genre-based pedagogy and trying to get them to understand how that how that works, right? Okay, well, thank you very much for your time and your insights, Hope, and for joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was a pleasure. What are your takeaways from that conversation with Hope Anderson? I know that I'm looking at the idea of templates a little more closely for sure. Be sure to check out the show notes to connect with Hope Anderson. You'll also see the link to sign up for Talking Points, my weekly email newsletter with tips and resources for language teaching. There are also links to get in touch with me if you'd like to work together, either in person in your school or remotely. I will talk to you soon. Bye for now. You've been listening to the World Language Classroom Podcast. Be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you're listening so you don't miss a single episode. Let's continue the conversation on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at WL Classroom. You can also see over 250 blog posts about language teaching at, you guessed it, wlclassroom.com.